This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. The extremely unfriendly weather conditions of 2019 created the perfect storm for agriculture across Michigan. The reality was it simply rained too much too often for our farmers to get their crops in the field during the spring. And this occurrence, when combined with the 8-inch early snowfall, prevented harvesting. As we all know, it takes a lot of resources, tangible and intangible, to survive a crisis like what Michigan agriculture has been through this past year. Here in Michigan, our growing season is super short, but yet we remain the second most diversified state in the U.S. when it comes to growing a variety of food. We lead the nation in several categories, including asparagus, black beans, squash, cranberries, and Niagara grapes. Michigan agriculture employs over 800,000 people. That makes up 17% of the workforce, and the sector contributes a whopping $105 billion to the state's economy. Our show drew attention not only to the perfect storm regarding crop conditions, but we also inquired about the condition of our farmers. How were they coping? In some cases, it was a definite struggle mentally and emotionally, and for the first time that I am aware of, suicide hotlines were set up for our farming community. 2019 were tough days for Michigan agriculture. As promised, we invited back the director of the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development, Gary McDowell, to share with us how the Michigan agricultural industry has weathered the storms of 2019 and what the outlook is for 2020. Director McDowell joins me and Jerry Brisson right after these important messages. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson in the studio. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Great to be here, as always. And Gary McDowell, the director for the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. Director McDowell, welcome back to Food First Michigan. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to get some time with you guys and to kind of give an update on what happened this past year. There's still a lot of, um, all the information is now, of course, it comes in kind of slow. Sure. And um, a lot of the harvest went right on into December this year. But as, um, as you know, it was just an historical rainfall events and flooding uh, this spring. I put the harvest way back. And then we had um, also we had severe cold. We even had tornadoes last spring, of all things. And it just had a devastating impact on Michigan farming and our egg communities. Um, so many farmers got their crops in just too late. And and a lot of them didn't get in, in at all. There's over 920,000 acres in Michigan that never got planted. They were in this USDA program called Prevent Plant, and that's just the program. Uh, that's the acres that were involved in this in this program, and the farmers who don't participate, we really have no idea how many that right how right. many acres that would be additional. So it, it was it was just um, 
It really was a very, very difficult year for our producers. Well, we talked about it in the opening segment here about being the perfect storm of so much rain and then the sudden eight-inch snowfall uh, early in the fall that just really presented prevented our farmers from even getting back in the field. And I saw that report that you're referring to that came out of St. John's yesterday um, about how hard Michigan farmers were hit uh, because of excessive rain and early snow. Yeah, they really were. Um, And we talked about the farm, the stress on our farm community. We've had historically low prices for the last four or five years. Right. And then with the weather events, um, the year before last year was a wet year. Last three years have been three of the wettest years on record. And then with our with the trade policies, the uncertainty there, it's just um, it's really created a lot of stress in farm communities. And of course, our you know our farmers are resilient and um, yes, and always always looking forward to next year. But um, it just was a, a really a tough year all the way around. And um, when I see. See a farmer, I, I thank them for what they're doing because it's not an easy way to make a living. Nope. But they're they're committed. Right. That's for sure, and uh, and I think, of course, we alluded to this earlier about, you know, that has a ripple effect on a lot of things, and certainly mm-hmm. on our work, where we depend so much on Michigan produce. I, I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% of the food we distribute is produce, uh, and it's because it's the food people want and right. need, and when we have such great produce here in Michigan, we can usually get significant donations as well as, you know, leverage programs like the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System, which is incredibly important to us, but also have farmers who are willing to donate uh, when they can. And so uh, so when we have these historically difficult years, of course, it, it influences sometimes not necessarily how much produce we can get, but what it costs to get it, right? And so all these things, you know, create challenges down the line. I guess before we get too deep into... Um, you know the 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 consequential things i'm really curious to know all right how, are are we situated going well into this next season are we do we feel like the the various programs that were able to be put in place and the the support that i know was given to farmers both through trade mitigation uh programs and and the the other programs that i know you've been doing mm-hmm. um how how are we feeling about did we did we weather the storm enough that we're feeling okay or are there other things we should be doing right now i th- i think you know the best we can do. I, um, there was, we qualified because of the disasters and stuff for eight different designations under USDA, and it covers 74 of the 80 counties. And these designations definitely helped our farmers um, get assistance from USDA that they otherwise wouldn't be eligible for. Mm-hmm. But it never makes you whole. I mean, right. it's not even close to making it whole. You know, farmers, they want to farm. They want to sell products. Yeah, that's yeah. how they. That's how they want to. You know. And make make their farms profitable, but they're um, I said they're optimistic, and but we're, what we're really concerned about is this next growing year because of the water, all the excess water. Right now, our fields are saturated, our rivers are full, the Great Lakes are historically high because right. of these continuously wet years. And we had a meeting with the Weather Service a couple of weeks ago, and they're they're predicting for another wet year. And with the ground already being saturated, it's just, 
um, just not good. Right. So we're we're already we're preparing. We're working with our departments, our partners and friends over at USDA, right, and also our commodity groups to be as prepared as we can. Like last year, we were kind of caught off guard with with that prevent plant uh, program that the farmers were able to plant some corn and soybeans later, mm-hmm. just to get some feed. And um, hope they have that all in place this year. If do things do um, duplicate last year, they'll be it will be just better prepared for it. We're having a, I think it's March 11th. We're having a, a meeting with um, with our different commodity groups in USDA um, to start that process. Right. He's Gary McDowell, and he is the leader at MDARD, the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. And he's our guest here on Food First Michigan. So, uh, Director, um, I was talking about, and Jerry mentioned it too, kind of the domino effect, the ripple effect of this. And one of the things I noticed in the report that came out was uh, some some milk producers, some dairy farms have had to reduce the number of, of cows because of a lack of feed. Because, and that that goes right back to the, the the wet spring and the early snow. Is that not correct? That, yes, that is correct. Um, that was part of the reason that prevent plant plant acres that nine hundred twenty thousand were able to. Um, the way the program works, you can only plant cover crops after a certain time; they can't be harvested. But this year, the USDA allowed farmers to plant corn and soybeans later. Mm-hmm. That's just for that reason, so they have feed. But there still wasn't enough. I mean, right. like you said, you mentioned that snow um, we got last fall. Last fall was wet. It's just a short growing season. Most of the crops didn't have a chance to mature enough. And um, we're feeling that effect now. Because like, like with a farmer, if you got, say you got 100 head, and you only got feed for 90, mm-hmm. you have to sell 10 cows or you're going to lose the whole herd. Right. So that's what's happening now. That is, we had um, Charlie on our Mets on our one of the ag commissioners. He is a dairy farmer, and he brought that up. That um, seen a lot of pressure on these farmers are being forced um, uh, to, to get rid of some of their livestock just for the reason that they cannot. They didn't have enough feed themselves, and they can't find any to buy with reasonable price. So that gives them no no option, but to downsize. So you're going to see the effects for several years because you just can't get back in that quickly. Right. Right. One year just farming. doesn't fix it after yeah. uh, three or four years. Yeah, especially with our fruit growers, too. Yep. Right. If they have a bad year or a series of bad years um, and you get out, you just can't get back in. I mean, it's just the cost to get back in. Then you go several years without a crop while your fruit is maturing, your trees are maturing. So it's it's just... And it's not just the farmers who get hurt. It's your whole community, especially in these rural communities. Your, you know, the the machinery dealer who surf who services um, the feed mill, the hardware store, the gas station goes right down. Right. At that uh, the impact on our food and ag in this state. It's just it's just um it's more than just the farmers. Absolutely, and that's why we think it's such an important issue to discuss with you on this show because of the impact it has. You know, basically, we have a great group of, of farmers in this state, and the more they grow is the more they give. And that's very important to our work in helping create uh, food security and, and coming along those families that are having a little bit more struggle with more month than they do money, and, and uh, they, they become very dependent on us. So we want to pick this up with you on the other side of the break. He's Gary McDowell, the director for MDARD, 
That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're all three back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with Gary McDowell, the director of the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. And uh, we're, we're talking a little bit about the perfect storms of 2019 and looking forward to 2020. And, Director, I, I wanted to share a little bit of good news with you from our perspective. You know that uh, the Food Bank Council uh, here in Michigan is a part, and all of our seven food banks uh, are a part of the national organization, Feeding America. And Feeding America has come to the Food Bank Council and our board of directors, and they've said to us, um, we know what a rich produce state that Michigan is and, uh, and I even quoted you earlier in the show on the monologue about some of the leading areas of agriculture that Michigan leads in, like with Niagara grapes and, and asparagus and uh, some of those categories. And Feeding America has said to the Food Bank Council and our network, we want you guys, because of, of the rich produce in Michigan that's grown here, we want you to begin to resource as much as you can out of Michigan into the entire Feeding America um, network. And we're pretty excited about that work. And uh, we've developed a program called Sourcing to Success. And we want to get as, uh, create as much secondary markets for our farmers here in Michigan as we possibly can. Well, that is great news. Um, and, of course, getting that food out. Michigan food is, like we said before, is some of it's high quality. They know if you get food from Michigan, it's nutritious, it's wholesome, it's safe. And to be able to export that to other other states, um, people in need, who, and this is a great opportunity to help our farmers and also help um, your clients who who need nutritious, wholesome food. So that's great news, Phil, and I'm really, um, really excited about it. We're, we're, we are, too. Well, and, and just to be clear, there's, it's a multidimensional approach, right? So it's not just about getting everything donated. It's really about planning around what we know the need is. Mm-hmm. And then from that plan, being able to sit down with growers early about how much of their uh, products can be planfully used, even up to and including how does that affect pricing and keep pricing stable and maybe even increase pricing in some ways depending right. on these markets so it's it, it's really bringing a lot of different people together looking at a more planned way to think about the whole system including the emergency food system that we're part of so that we can help stabilize the markets to some degree for our for our Michigan growers and again it's without getting into the various levels of complication um, as we bring people together to talk about this we're certainly gonna have you at the table director and and make sure that we know um, you know your perspective and and the perspective that you would bring from other growers that maybe we don't know so that we can do a better job of doing the most with what we have and i and i think that it will help us all in the end oh absolutely i really um also a portion we forget sometimes is our processors right um, our farmers they need uh, need the processors they need the markets and this will help stabilize that that part of the industry too and we just had some great news yesterday on peterson farms over on the west side 
one of the largest unpacking um, processing of fruit and vegetables, mainly fruit, in the in the country, and they're just um, made of making a big expansion here in Michigan because they um how they they believe in Michigan agriculture and they want to have a large presence here. So that's but what you're doing will help stabilize help stabilize the whole industry and making sure that our processors also can can keep supporting our local farmers and can support our whole food food chain across the state. Well, the Food Bank Council and MDARD have a great partnership right now. The uh, legislature in the state of Michigan a couple of years ago made a grant to us to explore the opportunity to rescue um, food from the processors. And we've been working with you guys in conjunction with that for the last two, two and a half years. And, uh, you know, when when you have a pilot, not everything you learn, you like. <laughs> and we've watched uh, we've watched that that segment of the food industry grow and develop in themselves. And it's been great for them. And uh, we've adjusted to the to uh, the opportunity there. And what we've discovered and learned through this process is, is yes, there is food on the back end of processing, but yes, there is also food on the front end of processing. And Jerry, it's because they're doing exactly what we're starting to do, which is plan. Yeah, and everything has to start with a good plan. I mean, and of course, creating a good plan has its challenges, but but it, but that really starts with good communication. And so, how how do we talk to each other about the things we know affect the business, and then how do we make sure we're plugging in in all the right ways? And so we're we are excited about that. Again, one of the things we've said on the show several times is we have to do both more and better, and better means smarter every step of the way. So it's good. And, and we have really smart people coming alongside us at every step. And, and yeah, I think I think in the next six months, we're going to see some really excellent progress coming from that. Well, that's really great news. And like you said, with a pilot, when you can show, that's the reason we have a pilot, that there are results, that our food system is better, and we can have a greater need to serve our the people in our state, that hopefully the, the funding will continue then. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Director, one other thing I wanted to chat with you about here, uh, Jerry, that we've been very interested in. We touched on it a little bit, was, and it's been the, you know, the, the rain and the snow and all that, the, the physical uh, parts of the perfect storm. But there's also an emotional and a mental part that's been very difficult for our agricultural community and, and the farmers for sure and their families. But then as you talked about, Director, right on down the line, I mean, it's it's the tractor sales, it's the feed stores, it's all the way through the entire industry. And I know you guys were instrumental in, in coming alongside of our agricultural community and even to the point of establishing hotlines so people could could reach out uh, in times of need. And I just wondered if you have any update on uh, I, utilization, and, and hopefully that's gone down over the past few months as we look toward the, the new spring. But I wonder if you could just comment on that for us. Um, with the supplemental, with the legislators and the governor, there was um, $500,000 mm-hmm. allocated for farm stress. Yeah, to the department, we're working right now with um, MSU Extension. Um, there's they have a program already in place, so we'll be able to implement that and enhance it. And we're looking, because um, like you said, this has been such a stressful year for our producers. And and like you, you mentioned um, agribusiness as services our producers. Um, they're they're not eligible for any of these programs. The farmers are, so it's 
um, it's really difficult on them too. Mm. But also at here, right here at MDARD, we're having all our frontline employees are are taking some training uh, just so they can help, like recognize um, uh, one of our one of the farmers that they deal with on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. See if they see a change, um, and um, hopefully we can they can help get the the farmer the help that they might need. So we're just um, just hoping that. You know that we get through this year, and next year is better, and and that um, we won't need these programs. But right now, the governor and the legislators did step up and provide the funding. Well, we're grateful for that, and I mean it. You know, these conversations illustrate so many important points. One is the significant role that government plays in helping our state, and uh, you know, it, we we don't give our government employees enough credit for the work that they do to help where help is needed. And I think it's really important just to acknowledge and thank all, right. all the people doing this work to, to help solve these problems. It's it's critically important, and I, and I think it's nice that that comes out when we talk about these things. I think the other thing that's really important in these conversations to realize is all of us think we know who's hungry and who's in need. But in fact, these stories are just some of the many stories that we don't talk enough about, that people come into a place in their life where they need help many times because of things that that, that they can't control. And so, you know, these these economic realities and and changes and dynamics affect a lot of people every year. And and they're always going to happen. It, it's not a point of fixing the blame, but really to admit that our safety net has to be flexible enough for when these things happen. And sometimes these cycles are years long, not right. months, but actually years. And so when we look at the benefits that we provide people when they have economic hardship and we start to say, well, why do they need help for more than three months? Hmm. It's like, well, because sometimes these cycles are longer than three months, right? And so all that to say, we don't want farmers to do something else. We want them to keep their farms. We right. want them to be successful. And sometimes a little bit investment now when times are tough pays off big time when times get better. So just wanted to make those few points as we kind of wrap up this segment because I think it's so important to realize all these things, including our important safety net, exist to help people through these times. Oh, well said. Yes, you're absolutely right. That, um, we're all in this together. Absolutely. And we need to look out for each other, help each other, protect each other. And and um, it's one of the most vital things, of course, is food. Good, safe, quality, wholesome food. And through your system, your network, um, you're able to distribute that to the people in need. And here at MDAR, we really appreciate that. It's, it helps our farmers. It helps our processors. And more, most importantly, it helps the people who need who need the help with them. Um, acquiring the food. So once again, thank you so much for everything that you do at the Food Council. It's um, it's really appreciated here at this end. Well, thank you, Director. We appreciate you and your leadership there and how you come alongside the entire agricultural community, farmers, all the way through ag business. And uh, we're glad you're there and uh, you're leading and uh, shepherding and working on, on all of our behalf. So we appreciate you. Jerry and I are back in just a moment. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Welcome back, Jerry. Uh, that was uh, Gary McDowell, and he is certainly our friend in this work and uh, the leader at MDARD, the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development, a farmer himself, and certainly understands this whole concept of farm stress. Well, and it's so nice to know somebody who's out there in the community talking to people. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's not just sitting at a desk. Oh no! He, he knows the community. He's been around it a long time. He's he knows how to organize and talk to folks. And I mean, it's it's uh, it's always in spite of this show is a little tough, right? I mean, I, yeah. I can't help but my heart just breaks for the number of people who are affected when you know there's these longer cycles of of weather and other issues. So I mean, it's it's a little hard to take, but it's important for us to know not only so that we. Can can make sure the safety net is working in these communities where the farmers are. And we have food banks across the state who do work in these communities and who are actively trying to figure out how to help the people who are really responsible for the food. Right. I mean, you talk about being right there on the ground, in the ground. I mean, oh, my Lord. Right. So, you know, that's but it but it's it's um it's a challenge and it's tough. And so it's it's heartbreaking. But that's part of our work, too. Right. Right. Well, I think the point you made too in the show about um, you, you really don't know who my who may be hungry, who may be struggling, with, and you know the irony that our agricultural community so hard hit um, would be in that category of people who are struggling with with food uh, themselves and basic needs, you know, uh, and I don't think that we can skip over the fact that this has been occurring. So I read a report that uh, Lake Michigan is five and a half feet higher this year than it was in 2013. So as Director McDowell said, this is not a one-and-done occurrence, the early rains and the, uh, the late rains and the early snowfall. This has been going on for a period of years, and you can't fix this in one growing season. Right, right. I mean, so economically, emotionally, all of it, right? Business wise, you cannot fix it in one season. And it's part of the reason why flexibility is so important in the safety net. We we mentioned it earlier, but it's worth repeating that you have to have a safety net that comprehends these sorts of things so that it 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 can respond mm-hmm. dynamically, right? right? So so of course when you're writing legislation, to write legislation that allows for that kind of dynamic without making it a free-for-all is a pretty big challenge. And that's why, you know, our legislators and their staffs, and again, I want to I want a big shout-out for the legislative staff and, and the lobbyists who are really thinking through a lot of these particulars. And it's 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 an important challenge. And, you know, I know we like to joke about the swamp and all that stuff, but uh, the bottom line is people who are smart about this work are critical to the process. Well, and you know, I think that um, the fact that the the governor, the administration, Governor Whitworth and her administration worked together with the legislature to to come alongside of the the agricultural community, particularly the farmers, with an appropriation that was able to get them some of the mental and emotional services that they would need. Um, and I think that that is that is very critical and and noteworthy Um, and this is a great idea a great picture of public and private partnerships where we're all as director mcdowell said earlier in the show we're in this together there there's 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 no 
superb winners here. There's only if we don't pull together, there's just losers. And we just simply can't afford that. Yeah, right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're going to be back in just a moment. Jerry, we got one more segment here. Here we go. Welcome back. Last segment, Jerry. Uh, pretty good show today. Uh, not our quite our upbeat tone, but, you know, what do we say? First responsibility of leadership is, is to define reality. Yeah, and the reality is still pretty bleak. And so, you know, we got to really hope hard for this year. And uh, But not just hope. We got to put plans in place, which it sounds like there's a lot of things that are coming together. Uh, but, you know, it's always worse for us when we have to you know, basically help people get over a really awful thing than it is doing the next great thing. Right. 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 But but that's the that is defining reality. So here we are. Yep. So here's a reality for you. Um, our network, uh, Food Bank Council of Michigan, our seven Feeding America food banks that serve all of Michigan, distributed 205 million pounds of food across the state last year. And 80 million pounds of that 205 were what? Produce. Produce. The vast majority of that, over 90%, were all Michigan-grown. So I think that's pretty spectacular. So I want you to talk a little bit about the impact and where that, five years ago, I don't think we were doing that. And, and how that work has grown. And then I want you to, I got a couple of follow-up questions for you. All right. So... The first part of the answer is we've gotten to know what people want and need a lot better. Um, as we've evaluated our programs, and, and, and I'm talking about programs that provide food to schools directly through mobile pantries where mm -hmm. the trucks show up and the families show up, and it's a just-in-time as they're picking up their kids from school, grabbing extra food they need for their household, and then moving right along. It's very efficient. It's very fast from a logistics standpoint. It's an awesome program. But what, because we've been in touch with a lot more parents of school-aged children through programs like that, mm -hmm. they can tell us what really helps them. And what did they say? We need fresh milk and we need fresh produce. Right. We need it because, hey, when, when your budget's tight, you don't want to buy things that might spoil. And so you buy more things you know, things that have a longer shelf life. And yet what kids want to eat really truthfully is the fresh stuff. It, right. it, it's a lot better. So even schools that have had salad bars have learned for a long time that kids will eat fresh salad as mm -hmm. long as it's good, right? As long as it's the freshest stuff. So, so getting the food right from our Michigan farms has been a great opportunity to meet the need where people are, right? right? So School Food Mobiles is just one example of programs where our families are telling us this is what we want and need. So, so that's part of the reason for the growth. The next reason for the growth really has to do with the support the community has given to food banks to buy at some level more produce and more milk. So especially when we have great matching programs out there, um, it, it, it really helps drive every dollar further, right? And people want a good deal. Donors want a good deal. And, of course, our business is to get the best deals, right? Sure. And so we've had, we've had Kroger and... and uh, Michigan uh, Milk Producers Association. Absolutely. United right. Dairy Industry of Michigan. All involved in helping us get better deals 
for any surplus that's out there. So that has been a significant reason for the growth that we've seen in our distribution of fresh products. So I want to just give a little shout out here because Michigan Milk Producers Association donates um, 150 gallons of milk and 50 pounds of cheese to the Food Bank Council Network every day. Yeah, I mean... Not every week, not every other week, but every day. And engaging the people who really want to make a difference and putting their products to work for for people who need it, it excites them, it excites us, and it's been very efficient. So there's been a... We've been listening better, is one of the things I'm hearing you say, and we're learning from that listening, and that's why... You know, when we have so much rain in the spring and such an early snowfall in the fall, and it sh- cuts short our our ability to produce Michigan produce, um, you know, the more they grow, the more they give. And, you know, and if not give, the more they sell to us at, at cost, at as close to cost as they possibly can, because they're concerned about their hungry neighbors as well. I'm talking about our agricultural community, the farmers. And so I, I think it's significant that what we've learned over the past five years or so about how can we distribute so much fresh produce, um, you know, is 205 million pounds and over 80 million pounds of that was fresh produce. Yeah, I also want to point out, and again, some of the investments that have been made in our food distribution network. So we have had several people, including the state of Michigan, step up and help us get refrigerators and freezers for the network of partners that help us distribute this food to families in every county that that we serve in Michigan. That's every county in Michigan, I should say. And so adding that capacity to our distribution network has really enabled the distribution of more fresh food. And so it really is looking from the beginning to the end of the food supply chain, understanding how to efficiently move that food to the families that really want and need it. Well, also, you know, there's other partnerships that are in place here and a role that Michigan agriculture and our ability to distribute fresh produce uh, complements. I want to be clear to say that we're not in competition with anybody. We're here to complete, not compete. Yeah. And so when the USDA sends uh, federal food commodities, so to speak, into the state of Michigan, uh, that TFAP, that Emergency Food Assistance Program, gets distributed. And something we're able to do is to take those federal commodities and complement those with fresh produce. Absolutely. And, and of course, that gives people the kind of variety they need to make a visit to a pantry worthwhile. Not that people aren't grateful for any help they can get, but when we make it easier for people and better for people by taking programs that are separate and putting them together effectively and adding choice. And I and I do want to say, yep. you know, you know from your own household that at different points in time, you shop differently based on what was left over from last week and what you still have in your pantry. So as you put these things together, you know what people need. You also know what your kids like or what they might be allergic to, right? There's so many reasons that providing choice really helps reduce waste. And a lot of our network offers choice to the people that come for help so that they can make the most of every pound of food they get. Well, and I think we're uniquely positioned at the Food Bank Council and our network to be able to make those things happen. More food to more people more often. We don't want to just do more. We want to do better, too. Absolutely. 
Time for a little food for thought. Well, you've heard all the bumper sticker philosophical one-liners that are designed to perk you up if you're not feeling all that great. Some of them say, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Another one says, God helps those who help themselves. Some people think that's even scriptural. It's not. And another one says, everything happens for a reason. These sayings don't help. They are not comforting, well-intentioned as they may be. But here's one that does. Action speaks louder than words. So I commend the actions of our governor, Director McDowell, Michigan Farm Bureau, and their leadership to grabbing hold of our farming community and hanging on to them during 2019. A friend is often defined as someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. By offering money to be able to get through this season of stormy weather and support, both mentally and emotionally, by providing counselors to help ensure that our agricultural community did not seek a permanent solution to a temporary problem, the leaders of our state and our ag industry proved to be far more than just fair-weather friends. So I say, God bless Michigan agriculture. Thank you for growing our food, for working with us at the food banks, to meet the need of food security in our communities, and for enduring one of the worst weather seasons for farming on record. You have our love, respect, and admiration. Godspeed to you all. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch all of our award-winning shows at foodfirstmichigan.org. And until next time, let's continue to make Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.